just river kids Picking up stones like David did Watching them long necks break off a freight train bridge We went to church in a Detroit car Our daddies drank draft at the local bar With an aching back just like old granddad did And we like cold cake beer Fixing up trucks Old bird dogs and the woman we love Maxwell has steaming out of a coffee cup We say our prayers send them to the sky Bust our banks barely getting by Carolina to California up to Illinois Yeah, there's guys like us Blue-collar boys Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Marcus Show. Bro, I am your host as I am every single time Marcus himself. It is Friday, December 22nd. And as always, I am brought to you with my partner in crime, my number two. He's the Marvin Harrison and my Peyton Manning. Ryan, Ryan, buddy, how we doing? Great, Mark. Doing real good tonight. Yes, fantastic. We're winter break, so we're going to have a couple of diet pops um, and, and hang out and talk some NFL. Actually, a lot of football. We're going to talk a lot of football. I never actually know what we're going to talk about. We kind of have an outline, and then we get on here, and I don't know. It just kind of goes where it goes, which is the beauty of what we do, right? Yep. It's fantastic. We're going to talk sports one way or the other, Um, and uh, we're going to start that with who I believe is the most dominant force in professional football right now, the San Francisco 49ers. Now, this is not – going to be about not as much about what they did to the Cardinals because I had a feeling they were going to handle the Cardinals. They were 12 and a half point favorites and they beat them like what? 45 to 29. Um, yeah. Just smoked them. Uh, the Cardinals were able to put up some points, but I think Kyler just being dynamic allowed a lot of that to happen. And it's a division game. So like those get kind of weird and wonky. Um, but since they've gotten healthy, Getting back Trent Williams, getting back Debo Samuel, the 49ers have looked almost untouchable. Um, when they're rolling, like you can't beat them, you can't, you can't, and they just do it everywhere. Um, did you see the stat? Uh, I just saw it today that Brock Purdy is second in total passing yards, but he's 32nd in pass attempts. Yeah, I did see that. That's it almost doesn't even seem real. No, that's that seems almost fake. Like I couldn't believe that was a real stat uh that came out. So um they're humming, and uh the best part about it is is we get potentially, I hope it's not because I, I cannot stand the Ravens, but we get potentially a Super Bowl preview um if everything breaks the way of the one seeds as it is right now, with or on Christmas Day with the Niners versus the Ravens. Now, um, last week the Ravens had who? Remind me. Line. Line. Jacksonville. Jacksonville. That's right. They played Jacksonville Sunday night. Um, and it was it it felt like it should have been close because Jacksonville left a ton of points out there. Almost embarrassingly bad. Like their clock management like that, That's a fireable offense, honestly. 
Well, missing the two field goals, that's six points. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, they at the end of the half, so what you got to was the end of the half, where they were driving down uh, to at least get some kind of points. We expected them to get some kind of points. And they hit, they had no timeouts. Jacksonville had no timeouts. They hit a big pass downfield. I forget who, who'd they hit that pass to at the end of the first half? Is it Zay Jones? I think it, it might have been Zay Jones, but he didn't get out of bounds. Um, I think he was right. at about the seven yard line, eight yard line. And logic tells you, I think there was about 10 seconds left. They've, they've still got to get everybody up and they've got to run a play. Now, in most situations, I think if they had about five more seconds, maybe running a play to the end zone is a good idea. Um, but with as much time as they had left, the little amount of time they had left, coming up and spiking the ball is kind of second nature, right? You would think. Yes. Um, Because then you get your choice. If you have enough time left, you can at least take one shot to the end zone, a quick shot to the end zone. If you don't have that much time left, you bring out the field goal unit, you're close enough that you can hit a, hit one in and – you're not being blanked going into the, to halftime uh, where the Ravens were getting the ball back. Um, instead, they get up on the ball and they snap it and throw a quick out to which the Jacksonville receiver does not get out of bounds and the time ends up running out and they leave with no points. Um, yeah. It was awful. It was awful. I mean- it, they took a big risk, but it's like, why? Like, you're down there, just spike the ball, and you give – how much time was left when they, they snapped the ball? I think I, – I almost guarantee – I think it was around 10 to 9 seconds left. You they gave had, yourself almost, like, two, maybe three plays if you spiked the ball. There. Yes. And, and like, okay, so – but why would you even try to get closer? It's kind of like, I don't mind running the play, but don't – run a play to the end zone. Like, like try to throw the ball into the end zone on that play. Don't hit an out thinking that he'll get out of bounds because you see that he didn't, and then you're stuck. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Um, but I think a lot of the kudos goes to the Ravens, too. The Ravens made the Jacksonville Jaguars look very pedestrian on offense, um, yes. which I think a lot of the numbers are kind of showing. I don't know if you've seen it, but the Jacksonville Jaguars offense has not been super great this year anyway. Um no. Well, they're missing – I think they, they missed Christian Kirk, who's their best receiver who got injured in the Monday night game against the Bengals. Yeah. Um, But still. Yes. But uh, I didn't watch a ton, a ton of the second half part of it. Um, I – a lot of – oh, and that fumble from, from Lawrence. So we'll talk about that. Yeah. That was just – that was again in the first half. That was strange. That cost them another three points because that was the third yeah. down as well. Like, yeah. they were getting a touchdown there, but it was – that field goal was more of a chip shot. Like Yes, and and he just dropped it. It's like he just – like, literally was like, I don't want the ball anymore, and it just fell out of his hands, uh, yeah. Trevor Lawrence. Which I guess he has – he's had an issue with um, hanging on to the ball throughout his career, so – yeah. Even dating back to college. Yeah. So, um, I don't know what to go with Jacksonville, but I, I do think, you know, I'm not just going to say Jacksonville blew it because I, I do think the Ravens would still win that game regardless. Um, I agree. But on Christmas Day, we get the matchup that we want to see, and uh, 
a treat to everybody with the Niners and Ravens. Ryan, how do you see that one going? I think the Niners win. They're rolling right now. And even um, though Baltimore handled Jacksonville pretty easily, they're off. It's not like they dominated and pushed the ball down their throat. It was just mm-hmm. they more took advantage of some Jacksonville's mistakes. Yeah. Not saying that they can't win, but, um, you know, you saw their pass rush. They were able to get to Lamar. And we know what the 49ers have, but this is Jacksonville. They were able to get to Lamar pretty easily. Yeah. So that's where I hold the advantage. And, um, yeah, having, having Bosa and Young is yeah. scary. But I just don't know if they can stop that offense as in Baltimore's defense, because there's just so many different weapons you have to worry about. And it's just, can you slow? And I think it comes down to, can you slow them down? Can you force, like, when during their three-game losing streak um, earlier in the year, which is probably that's the only that they've lost, they made Brock Purdy, like, he was forced to make a bunch of mistakes mm-hmm. sort of thing. Like, he looked very pe- pedestrian. He looked like the guy who was the last pick in the draft. Yeah. Now, I will I will say this again, no Trent Williams, who I think is the most important player to that team. Having Trent Williams makes them a lot better on the offensive line. Um, and having no Debo Samuel to be that guy that just crosses underneath that can make plays like finds the open spot and then gets a bunch of yards after the catch. Um, I I I just I don't see a world where this isn't a Niners just throttling of the Ravens. Um, I agree. Like you said, I do think the Ravens, I don't know. Like, obviously anybody can win in the NFL on any, on any day. Um, but like the Niners are rolling so much right now. And that offense looks so good. And like, it, it is a tall task. I, I was listening to one thing that was like, the toughest thing about the Ravens is you got to stop Lamar three plays in a row. And so Correct. like, trying to figure out how to not just stop his running ability, but now him as a passer. Now, he's not the most polished passer, but he looks better this year than he has in years past. He he, he does, I will say. Mm-hmm. And you just – you don't see him like – they don't do as many design run plays to him anymore. No, it's a and lot I'm wondering more... if with yeah. just some of the injuries that he's had the past couple of years, are they tr- – a reason they brought Todd Munkin is they want to try to take some of that workload off of him. Yes, and and where he's dangerous now is he stands in the pocket and then he steps up in the pocket and then the pocket starts to collapse and then he does that thing where he like it collapses. Yes, and he backs out of the pocket and then it's like collapsing on itself and then he can roll out. He does it all the time, like all the time. Mm-hmm. He'll sit there, look, look, look. It collapses or he steps up, it collapses. He backs out and then he rolls out and then that's when he's really really dangerous. And he still does use his legs in that sense, but. Uh, not a lot of the design runs. Um, I think you're right to try to protect him a little bit. Uh, but that being said, I still think the Niners' defense is so lethal. Um, I think that that offense, the Niners' offense, gives just everybody issues. Like everybody issues. They what mm-hmm. they can do running the ball and having Christian McCaffrey as a a catcher out of the backfield is insane. Um, oh yeah. One of those guys, and then you can line up Debo in the backfield, and you know, hand yes. him the ball. Like, and it, it's like, how do you, how do you defend against all of that? It's so tough. And then you have Ayuk out, out wide too. And so, um, they're just so multifaceted. And I think 
I don't know. I'm loving the way the Niners play ball. I love watching that. When they're rolling, there's no – it's football poetry uh, yes. on the field. It's so fantastic. Um, and so uh, I'm excited for that one. I think more than anything on Christmas Day, that might be one of the most things I'm excited for is just sitting down and watching that game. Oh, me too. Um, it's going to be awesome. But, um, no, I think that that, yeah, uh, should be a lot of fun. But um, one of the other big games we had this past weekend that kind of showed us a lot, Bills-Cowboys. Now, let's, Ryan, let's have a serious discussion about both these teams. Which one do you want to uh-huh. start with? Let's start with Buffalo. Buffalo. So Buffalo looks really good again. They've had such their season has been so weird. It has. It's been so Lots strange. Lots of twists and turns. Yes, but they just look so so good. They looked like they were dead to rights, just out of it, just completely out of like it. After their loss to Denver on Monday night. Yes, and they looked lost. They looked like they didn't know what was going on. Um, and it might just be something with. Joe Brady, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but but getting the new offensive coordinator in there, something has happened with that defense too where they look so solid. Um, And if you look back to – hold on, I'm pulling it up right now. Buffalo lost to Philly close. So so that you brought up that Denver loss uh, by two. Then they go out and smoke the Jets. They lose to Philly by two. They beat Kansas City. In it, uh, by three in a game that, you know, whatever you're going to say about the ending, I don't care. It's they, they beat them. And, you know, the Bills have gotten screwed playing Kansas City the past, like, two or three years so much that, like— And yes, the playoffs especially, yeah. Yes, like, revel in that win. And then they just smoked Dallas at home. Like, Dallas never—it never looked close. No. Um, and uh, Josh Allen's playing well. Now he's still turning the ball over at a, a high, high clip. Um, and so you worry about that a little bit. Uh, he's actually not number one in turnovers in the league, though, for quarterbacks. We'll get to who is here in a bit. Uh-huh. Um, but they go to L.A. to a Chargers team that is playing Easton Stick at quarterback. Yeah. They're, um, they're done. A literal hockey stick, hockey twig, is out there playing quarterback. Um, the Chargers defense looks awful. Uh, Buffalo's 12-point favorites. Um, and I don't think that's enough. I think Buffalo is just going to smoke them again. They're eight and six right now. I think in the hunt. I don't think they're in the playoffs quite yet. But I, I mean, if we look at who they still play this year, Buffalo goes to uh, the Chargers this Saturday. Um, in Week Seventeen, Buffalo gets New England at home. Um, and New England looks like a lost puppy. Um, so that is potentially another win. Um, and then week 18, the Bills get... Uh, on, let me find it, let me find it, let me find it. Um, Miami. So, like, that's going to be a tough one. They have to go to Miami. Uh, but if they can escape going 2-1 and one in these last three... They'll be ten and seven. Um oh, yeah. and have a a good chance of making the playoffs if things fall their way. And they're a team that if they get into one of those wild card spots, it's it it you don't I don't think play. they're a team where anybody really wants to play. No, not at all. Not at all. 
Um, and so, uh, they have been a, a pleasant surprise. Now, on the other side of the ball, the Dallas Cowboys. Let's have a real discussion about the Cowboys here. Because, I want to add one thing about yeah, Buffalo on. before we get into yeah, Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Add, uh, add whatever you want about this game. Do you see, like, I've, I've brought up this about Buffalo in the past. Do you see how more dynamic their offense is with a running game? Like, James Cook has been really good the past few weeks. Yeah. Like, he, he did everything for them. Like, Dak, or not Dak, uh, Josh Allen didn't have to do really anything on Sunday. No, I think he threw the ball 12 times. He was, like, yeah, 7 that, from 12. Yeah. He, not even 100 yards. Yeah. But, anyways, that, that's all I wanted to add about Buffalo. Just yeah, how no. much more dynamic their offense is with uh, a, a running game. Yes. And which I is something they haven't really had with Josh Allen. Again, I think a lot of that goes to the design of Joe Brady. Like, I think Joe Brady's a good a good coordinator. I think that his first impression in the league was under Matt Rule at Carolina, which is like you're setting him up to fail at that point. You know what I mean? Right. Um. But the Cowboys. Um. The Cowboys have one really good win this year, and I'm not even sure if it's that good of a win. Uh, it's against yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles, and it was at home. So the Cowboys right now are 6-0 and at home, 7-0 and at home, which is oh really good. Yeah. Um, Which is really, really, really good. Except when you take into account that the Cowboys are – hold on, let me check it. Uh they're ten and four. I think they're seven and zero at home, which means that every game that they have lost has been on the road, um, including a. Uh, it just has not been good. Um, no. And they go to Miami this week, which uh, that's another just great one we're going to get on Christmas Eve. Um, mm-hmm. Because I like Miami right now. Miami kind of showed. What against a, a good Jets defense, even without Tyreek Hill, if they can yeah. game plan for it, they you know they just plug and play Waddle in there. Anyway, um, is Dallas fraudulent? Yes. Okay. That they, they can't win on the road. Like if if you can get, the, they're not going to. They're they're the same. They're pretenders. Mm-hmm. They'll doubt. They'll look great during the regular season, but once they get to the playoffs, once they have to play a road playoff game. Whether they have to go back to San Francisco or even if um, they, they, they're the two seed right now with the Eagles losing, yeah, um, I believe. But I mean, even if they're the wild, like the five seed, if the Eagles beat, win the division, I would think that they would beat Tampa Bay. But you know, the way Baker's and the offenses look, I, I don't know, honestly. Yeah, I, I, I don't trust them. Yeah, um, I could see it, I could see it. Sneaking I mean, even at home on this league, I, I, I could see them losing just depending on who the opponent is. Like, yeah, no, I do think I, I we're gonna get to him in a second. I think Dallas is gonna hold on to that division. I think they're gonna win that division. Um, well, yeah. maybe not. I don't know. We'll talk about. We'll talk through it. Let's talk through this. Um, but I think Miami also is kind of in that weird like could they be fraudulent area as well. Um. Their offense is super, super dynamic, but their defense sometimes just doesn't look great. Um, I'm a big Mike McDaniels guy. Uh, I just love what he does and how he coaches football um, and his oh, he's, approach. Dude, he's awesome. He's awesome. He's he's awesome. I've, I'm watching some of these clips from like the in-season uh, hard knocks, mm-hmm. and he just 
he has the attention of all of those guys. Um, and he's just as like, I don't know. To me right now, now things could change, obviously, because everything in the NFL changes. To me right now, he's the perfect coach. He's relatable. He's tough. He takes accountability. He's smart. He's, I don't know. He's just awesome. He's awesome. Um, That was not meant to be a, a Mike McDaniels glazing, but it was. Uh, <laughs> he's but, just like a very chill guy. Yes. Like, he's so he's a, Colorado. He's a really good football coach. At, yes. He's so Colorado it hurts. Um, <laughs> yes. That's a perfect way of, of describing him. But uh, that being said, could they also, if they lose to Dallas at home, are they also put on that fraudulent list as well? You know, yeah, I'd say so. Is this a loser as fraud game? Is what I'm asking you. Or are you already just saying Dallas frauds doesn't matter if they win or lose? Correct. Okay. Okay. But if okay. If then the Dolphins win, are they legit? Yeah, I would say that they're legit. Okay. I'm just talking through this. I'm talking through the the ideas of who we actually have. Because the AFC seems like it just has a bunch of teams that are right there, but we just don't know. Yeah, because even Baltimore, like, the the Ravens have the kind of the, the number one seed. Uh, they're kind of run, running away with it right now. But that, that even said, like, you know, the – the Browns, all the Browns have to do is win out, and Baltimore needs to lose two of their last three games, and the Browns win the division. Mm-hmm. And Baltimore has finishes up with, um, well, uh, Cleveland, San Francisco. Yeah. Then they go to Miami, or they, I don't know if they go to Miami or Miami. They, they play Miami. Yeah. And then Cleveland. Pittsburgh. No, they, they play you guys last week, I think, don't they? No, we play the Bengals. So I think it's you guys because you, you guys beat them in Pittsburgh. Yes. Yes, we do get them last week. Which we're so, going to lose that game. Yeah. So there's a good chance. I could see. I would not be shocked if Baltimore lost both of those games. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how worried are you that Joe Flacco shaved off his beard? Oh, I don't buy anything. Oh, I, w- I would be scared. That's He's ruining the mojo, dude. It is what it is. I mean, Brown's got the Texans on Sunday with – CJ Stroud more than likely going to be out, so we're going to get Case Keenum, mm-hmm. um, which is so, very good for you. It is. I mean, Case Keenum is look. They beat Tennessee. He's still a he's a serviceable quarterback. You know, he was with the Browns for two years, so you would think Kevin Stefanski knows every which thing about him. So, mm-hmm. um, so we got some more guys back in practice. We're going to return to practice this week, so we should be a little more healthier playing this game. Yeah, but your offensive line is just it, – it's cobbled. It's, it's cobbled it, together. Yeah. If we can get – it sounds like one of the – we finished Sunday's game with just one starter from opening day, which is Wyatt Teller, who yeah. arguably is one of our best. Mm-hmm. We're going to get Ethan Posick back this week. He missed last week with a stinger. Um, and then Joel Batonio, he – Tweaked his back in the pregame, and he tried to play through it, but he just couldn't, which is why they eventually took him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can get those, like if you can have your entire interior line and then just the, you know, two tackles, then I'm okay. Yeah, that's kind of why they really struggled running the ball last week. I think because as well as Flacco is playing, I would rather them 
take some pressure off him off of him by running the ball a little bit. But it's a little mm-hmm. hard when you're playing, you know, five offensive linemen who don't have a lot of that. You yeah. probably you weren't ex- you were never expect. I don't think the Browns at any point this year were expecting to go into a game playing Jerome Christian, Michael Dunn, Nick Harris, Wyatt Teller, and James Hudson at on their own line for a game in yeah. December. Yeah, and win the game. <laughs> like, well, and that's the thing too about the Browns. So like, it's I don't obviously you never you never apologize for wins ever. No. Winning in the NFL no. is, is very tough. It is. The Browns are escaping though. A lot of games that look like these are games that the Browns would 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 lose in the past. Yes, yes. Now, I'll only say it. I only say this because of this. Think back about four or five years ago when the Steelers were eleven and zero. Right? I know you know that year. It's the year they played the Browns in first round loss. Whatever. Um, they did the same thing where like they were just like barely winning games late and it didn't look pretty, but they were doing it, and then eventually that. Winning late magic runs out. Are you right. worried? Are you worried about that? Does that worry you? You, I watch these Browns games too, and I it looks like like the Bears had them dead to rights. And yeah. like, there is something to say that they didn't quit. Like I, I'm not taking anything away from them in that sense. But also, it's like you're you're flirting a little bit with that other side. Um. Let's put it this way. Like, with the Bears game on Sunday, the Bears were never going to beat the Browns because it was the Browns were only going to beat themselves if you were to watch the game because the Bears scored 17 points. They got their first touchdown on an interception where Cedric Tillman ran the wrong route, which is why you watch play Flacco just do it right to a Bears guy. They got the ball at the one-yard line. It took them, like, five plays to score with help of a bunch of Browns penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they got their next touchdown on off of a pick six, which another thing received Cedric Tillman catches it, gets whacked by the linebacker, and then Tre- uh, Tremaine Edwards is right place, right time, grabs it and scores. Mm-hmm. Their only other points they, where they, they kicked the field goal, that was their best offensive drive, but they moved the ball, but it's not like they grinded the clock and moved it downfield. So the defense for the Browns did their job. It's not, you know, they gift wrapped it in their, those first two touchdowns. Yeah, but I I do agree with what you're saying. Sometimes the magic does run out, which is why I would like to see us run the ball a little more, or just try to run it better. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, Flacco doesn't have to do everything. Because... Yeah, but again, that's tough when your offensive line is just again right. Right, it looks like one of those like medieval walls that they would put up that were just stones stacked on top of each other. You're just kind of like putting right. up this little tiny fortress to try to. And and not that they can't do it. I mean, these are all NFL guys. They're in the league for a reason. But oh yeah, I think if there's any group that needs to play a lot of football together, it's the offensive line. They got to know how to slide and where to go and uh-huh. all that kind of stuff. But um, but uh, Ryan, the last game that we're going to talk about is Monday Night Football game. Um, from uh-huh. this past week, Seahawks twenty, Philadelphia seventeen. Philadelphia has now lost three straight. I don't think we're going to talk a ton about the Seahawks. Um, no. We got to talk about Philadelphia. Yes. So last week it was the defense. The past couple of weeks has been the defense. That has just not looked great. Um, They promote Matt Patricia to defensive play caller. <laughs> D- 
defense looks pretty good besides that last drive on Monday. When it mattered most, they couldn't get the stop. Basically. Yes. Offense looks bad. Apparently, yes. Jalen Hurts was sick, but they have not looked great the past couple weeks, especially got smoked by the Cowboys. Um, and uh, their last good win, I will get again, we already mentioned was to the Bills. Um, give me your thoughts on this Eagles team right now. You know, ever since Nick Bosa said that, um, after the 49ers beat the Eagles, that they showed like the recipe to beat them, I don't think they've won a game because have they lost what three games in a row now, or like three in a row? Three in a row, yeah. They, they lose to Dallas last week, or is that two weeks ago? Uh, two weeks ago, last week was the well, we mean the Seahawks, and then the week before that was Dallas. Uh, and um, hold on, let me find who they lost to the that week. Yeah, you're right, you're right, it, it is. So it was Seahawks, Dallas, and then let me find who they lost San Francisco. to Dallas. San Francisco, yeah. Oh, they got smoked by San Francisco, yeah, at home, yeah. But I think what teams are doing, they're forcing Jalen Hurts to be a pocket passer, and he's a good quarterback. But I don't. His strength is to not, you know, drop back and just pick you apart. You know, mm. you have to move him around. You know, he's got good weapons all over the field. He's got two good receivers, a good tight end, mm-hmm. and I mean, his running backs are DeAndre Swift is okay. I wouldn't call him like anything special. He's solid. Yeah, but. And you're just seeing that, you know, they're they're taking away his ability to run and forcing him to beat you with his arm, and that's not something that they want to do, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Now, I, I will say this, and the reason that I hesitate on saying I think the Cowboys are going to win that division for sure, the Eagles finish with the Giants, the Cardinals, and the Giants. They go, like, easy game, easy game, easy game. I could see them finishing 3-0. and because those are all those are, they should beat those two teams, one of them twice, fairly easily, even with not playing their best football. Now, division again, division football gets weird. You know, your division teams are usually built to beat division teams. Um, I think they should beat the Cardinals. I think that'll be a, a, a solid win, or not a solid win, but a, a win they should get. Um, and I could see Dallas losing to Miami. Uh, I don't know who Dallas gets after that the next couple of weeks, but I, I essentially I could see them even with Dallas, Dallas schedule. Even with Dallas getting one loss. I, I, I think that I think the Eagles went out um and win that division, which is huge for them and it's terrible for Dallas because like we said, Dallas can't play on the road. So they would then get the five seed and Dallas has Miami, Detroit, and Washington. So I think Dallas would go Where's the Detroit go one and two? Where's the Detroit game at? In, in Dallas, I think and they the can Lions, be... you know, as well as they've played this year, they've had their moments where they've just kind of been run off the field by teams. I think they could lose that. I, I they may go, they may go two and one. I, I just think, wh- however it, it pans out, I think they lose one of those games. They're either going to lose two Miami or they're going to lose two Detroit. I can, but I can see Dan Campbell having those guys ready. Yeah, me too. I mean, they're playing better. They're playing a lot mm-hmm. better when they when they start rolling. They're rolling. And if they lose, I can see it's because they're being too overly aggressive. They're going for it. Yes. Um. And and they're they're not getting it. They give Dallas a short fielder. And, Jared Goff's had issues turning the ball over. So and, 
and I will say this, I rather them do it all the time than do it just some of the time. Like yeah. like Nick Sirianni kind of turtles going back to Philadelphia. Nick Sirianni's kind of like that, oh, I'm going to gamble, but then he turtles in certain moments like, no, if you're going to be that guy, you got to be him all the time. Correct. Correct. Um you can't just pick and choose because yes. usually when you pick and choose, you pick and choose in the wrong spots. Exactly. You punt when you should go for it and you go for it when you should punt. Yes. Yeah. So, um but I, I Philadelphia I think is going to be I don't know, man. They just have some weaknesses. They just don't look the 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 offense looks not as smooth as it did last year for sure. And you know, the 49ers players were all right. They were the ones they had were healthier quarterback. That's kind of what it came down to, you know. Yeah. Yeah, last year. I yes, I agree. Um but anything else from the NFL that you want to talk about or this game or anything? What's going on with the Steelers? There's a lot of drama. I, you, you need to address this here in the last couple minutes of this first segment. Uh, George Pickens not showing any effort in run blocking because he doesn't want to get hurt. And then yeah, Jalen Warren says, he's I, I want to block for him. He's a different cat. He's a different cat. I he his block. I'm not worried about him blocking. I think that he just in the heat of the moment he just goes a little crazy. Like he's just a crazy person. I I do think I've been one of the people on the pedestal that's been like you cannot fire a guy who's never had a losing season. Now I think we're gonna have our first losing season this year, and I actually kind of encourage it because I, at this point I don't think we're a playoff team. I know we're not a playoff team. I don't want to make the playoffs at this point because I don't want to play an extra week just to get smoked. Um, why don't you just get the better pick? Right, because you've lost three games that are very, very winnable, and you're not winning them. So, like losing these last three isn't the worst thing in the world. Now, does it ruin the Tomlin streak? Yes, it does. But I'm also going to say something that sounds a little blasphemous, and I don't care. I think the Tomlin thing has become stale. Uh, stale. I think that you have to, like, there's got to be a shot in the arm at some point, and things are going pretty chaotic, and you kind of have to overhaul a lot of stuff and I know Pitt, that's not the way Pittsburgh does things but like you've got to do something different I get what the point that you're saying so at some point as great as Tomlin has been and we've talked about if Pittsburgh were to fire him half the league would be lining up to hire him like you saw with Andy Reid in Philadelphia mm-hmm. but at some point it's like it's stale it, it's, it's running its course it's running yes. its course and so like uh, we we brought up the the um, Lions my big push is Go get Ben Johnson. Get an offensive-minded coach, a young offensive-minded coach in your uh, organization. Kind of go the way everybody else is kind of going. Get the better draft pick. Get an offensive lineman or um, wherever you're going to fall in the draft. And I think you got to go out and try to get – I mean, we mentioned it last week. Getting even a Justin Fields or somebody who's a little bit more dynamic at quarterback. Um, bolstering up your offensive line getting more of this zone running stuff going it, with a better offensive mind that's not Matt Canada is he's I think the, the fall way, guy. He's not the fall guy. It's I'm, they're, I'm troll. <laughs> I know. You know they're, me too well. Man. They're all they're I know they're all in disarray. And so like the Steelers losing, like if they lose to the Bengals, it's not gonna upset me. Like I, it's not gonna cut me to my core like it usually does because I'm at the point right now where it's like Good. We shouldn't be playing in the playoffs. Like there was three weeks ago, there was hope. Like, okay, we are second in the division. We can make the playoffs. We can do something. Uh, because we looked good and we were winning games with our defense, and now it's just kind of all falling apart. And the other thing I think is too is you watch Mitchell Trubisky play in this offensive system, 
and it makes you realize how good Kenny Pickett is. Because like he's not Kenny Pickett's not like like the greatest, but he's good enough to make it look competent. And that's insane to me that you can just sit back and be like, oh well, Kenny still sucks. Look what Kenny does week to week, and look at what these other guys that get put in, like Mason Rudolph, I guarantee is gonna struggle this week. Oh, yeah. The system's broken. They don't have a good We've already seen what system. he can do. There's nothing more that he can. Like yeah. he like he was a free agent last year. The entire league didn't want him. Yeah. yeah. Basically. So that's my rant on the Steelers. But just Yeah, I, I get the point where you're coming from. Yeah, just keep losing. But all right, Ryan, let's go ahead and take a break. When we get back, let's go ahead and talk about some college football. What do you say? Let's do it. Hey there, everyone. Well, me and Ryan are taking a quick break. Remember to go into whatever app you're, you're using, whether it be Spotify uh, or Apple Podcasts, and hit that subscribe button for us. Um, download the episode. Uh, give us a rate. Give us a review. It really does help with the show, and we really do appreciate it, uh, and it goes a long way um, for both of us. So please remember to subscribe, uh, and here we come back to the show. All right, Ryan, we're back, and we're talking college football signing day today. Today's the day. Today's the day, 2024, college football sign. Now, there's two. this is the end of the signing period for 2024, yes? Or is this the early time? The early time, but just about everybody signs right about now. Okay. Even guys who aren't enrolling until, like, the summer, or, you know, who are graduate from high school, like in uh, May, like a regular high school student, some of those guys sign now just yeah. to get it out of the way. Yeah. So but, yeah, it's it's the early signing period. Early signing period, we get a bunch bunches of signees. Now I'm going to, um, the one thing I wanted to make sure I do is I want to go through the top ten, uh, as it is right now for on three. You like on three? Yeah, I like them in two four seven. Yeah. So I use I, I follow. Those are two three. that I look at a lot, mainly two four seven for me. I follow on three a lot. They're one that I, I put a lot of trust into with when it comes to recruiting and um, right. and high school athletes and stuff. So no surprises in the top three. You get Georgia one, Bama two, Ohio State three, uh, Miami U number four, Texas five, Oklahoma six, Auburn at seven, Oklahoma eight, Notre Dame at nine, and LSU at ten. The one thing that stood out to me, uh, or two things that stood out to me right now with this early signing period uh, is this of those top ten teams? Six of them are in the SEC when you factor in Oklahoma and Texas now. Yeah. Um, and uh, Michigan is sitting at seventeen right now, so yeah. still top twenty-five. But um, you would expect a team that's gone to the playoff three years in a row now to be maybe a yeah. little bit higher. Um, they're just—they're not. They They're load not, up on Michigan four stars. Is not an elite program. They load up on four stars. Yes, and three. They do a good job of finding kind of those three-star diamond in the roughs guys who who fit the program, fit what mm-hmm. they want to do. Yeah, they've done uh, that in the, in the transfer portal too. Yes. Uh, so a lot of big names going to a lot of big places. I'll say this before I fully turn it over to you. Notre Dame signed uh, everybody that was already committed, so no flips. Um, coming out of South Bend, I know there was a little bit of a scare with um, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, but he's an edge rusher. Um, 
that was going to potentially go somewhere else. I forget, but um, he ended up signing with Notre Dame Day. So, like I said, I'm turning this one over to you. Uh, what was some of your biggest takeaways from the early signing day? So, I really wanted to, to take this time to kind of go off about Larry Johnson. Now, I had told – it had looked like that Ohio State was going to lose their top-ranked uh, defensive – I don't know if he's there. He's he might have been their top ranked defensive recruit because Ohio State actually got the most five stars, but they um they what they really needed was defense alignment. He was their definitely their best defense alignment. And a guy named Edric Houston, who's from Georgia. Yeah. Um he had committed to Ohio State back in August. And I, Ohio State was his dream school. Um and after he committed, he basically just shut down the rest of his recruitment. He said, I'm going to Ohio State. I'm not going to visit anywhere else. I'm not going to talk to anybody. And that's what he did. Like, I, I mean, the only place he actually visited was, well, Ohio State, obviously. Yeah. But so last Friday night, it was reported that he was going to visit Clemson on that Friday and then Alabama on Saturday, which it caused a little stir among Ohio State fans who were freaking out because, you know, a couple of weeks earlier, you had Ohio State had lost. Um, their other, their probably their best defensive uh, recruit and five-star defensive tackle, Justin Scott. He flipped from Ohio State to Miami, mainly mm-hmm. for NIL purposes. Yeah. Um, as you know, no, he was heavily interested in the Irish at one mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people were freaking out, but it still seemed like I, I, I was a little. I, I've kind of learned to. It seems like with Ohio State, the past couple like few years to expect the worst when it comes to recruiting. And just ever since the Michigan game, it feels like you've got nothing but bad news. Yeah. So and it had been reported that, you know, Alabama was making a push for uh, Edric Houston. And one of the reasons he was looking was he, I think this has been a talking point for a lot of schools is Larry Johnson might retire here. He's a defensive line coach. I'll get to Larry Johnson here in just a second. So, but it's funny because, Alabama's telling him that yet Nick Saban's older than Larry Johnson. So <laughs> mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a, like you're kind of contradicting yourself there. Yeah. But anyways, because he's not going to coach forever either. As of last night, it's, it seemed like everything Ohio State liked where they sat with Edric Houston. All good. You wake up this morning. It sounds like he's going to be flipped. They're going to flip him to Alabama. And it, it, it caused a big stir because if you lost Edric Houston, you only have one defensive line commit, which is a three-star defensive tackle from Virginia named Eric Mensa, who Ohio State flipped from Virginia Tech. But he's more kind of like a death piece. You know, he was never – if he's your only defensive – like, it would be back-to-back years of Larry Johnson missing out on a bunch of, like, five-star recruits. Because he, did la- he didn't land that – he missed whiffed on three five-stars in last year's cycle. And Damon Wilson, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Keon Keeley. Yep. And uh, Mateo Ungugulele, DJ's younger brother. Yeah. Um, and it looked like it's everything seemed doom and gloom. Myself, I was, I was just saying, Larry Johnson, you need to retire, because mm-hmm. one of his issues with and I, it's he's very old school. He doesn't. It seems like a lot of reasons he's losing these guys are for nil reasons, mm-hmm. um, and he doesn't travel as much. And I think guys are he's getting negatively recruited because you look at how Ohio State's defensive line has looked the past few years. Like, 
you can't you can't just sell guys and say, oh, he coached the Bosa brothers and Chase Young. But it's like, what else has he done? Yeah. But um, but out of nowhere, it seemed like they were able to keep Edric Houston. He signed to with Ohio State. But it still doesn't change my opinion about Larry Johnson because he still whiffed on this is the issue with I have with him right now in some of the defensive line recruiting is mm-hmm. you don't cast a wide enough net. You you put all your eggs in one basket basket for Edric Houston, um, Justin Scott, Marquise Lightfoot. Marquise Lightfoot was a guy who they're from Chicago who it looked like they were going to sign. He had all the crystal ball projections to go to Ohio State, and this is the day after they got Justin Scott. And then on the day he was supposed to commit, I think he had told Ohio State staff that he was going he was in. Miami jumped in and just offered him a whole bunch of NIL, and mm-hmm. that's how they got him to flip. And it looked like, you know, if they were, it would have been keeping Edric Houston was huge. Like it's a big win for Larry Johnson, but it doesn't change the fact of like he's still come, he's been coming up short. Yeah. And recruiting these past few cycles. And it sounds like Ohio State is trying to flip a defense, a four star defensive end from Cleveland, a guy by the name of Dominic Kirks, who's been committed to Washington since the summer, who I don't think they ever had much interest in him. And Kirk's, I think he he's he'd be more of like a depth piece because yeah, he's six six. He's had injury issues and he just he doesn't have like a dynamic trait that's you know, he just doesn't jump off like on his film or anything yeah. like that. But it's not like they're trying to flip him. But getting Edric Houston is a huge win because not only is he a five star, like I think I think he played more interior when he was in high mm-hmm. school on high school in high school, which I think they're moving him more to the outside, but Going to Alabama didn't make sense for him because he's a 4-3 defensive end. Alabama runs a 3-4. Yeah. It's like kind of like Keon Keeley when he went to Bama last year. He picked Bama over Ohio, over Ohio State after he decommitted from Notre Dame. Yeah. He's also a 4-3 defensive end, but he still ended up signing with Alabama. And it was just like yeah, that's what made it even more frustrating. And Ohio State's other big win was they were able to hang – hang on to jeremiah smith the number one player in the country out of florida yeah they were able to hold off uh, miami and florida state and other all those other florida schools throwing bags of money at him now as we are recording this he has yet to submit his national letter of intent to ohio state so it is not official though it does sound like from everything i'm reading it seems like he's still going to stick with the buckeyes it's just a little yeah just want you want it to go through Yes, you want to go through so you don't have to worry about anything, mm-hmm. which, you know, he – because when he signed today, he had a black uh, bag with him, and he, in the bag he had two hats. He had an Ohio State and a Miami hat. And this is – Brian Hartline's probably his best recruitment because mm-hmm. this thing has gone wire to wire. He could have left at any time, but they were able to stay with them. Like, mm-hmm. he's going to make great NIL money at Ohio State. There's no yeah. doubt. But Ohio State's just not offering him as much – as what Miami is willing to up front and Florida State. And I yeah. think that's part of the issue with uh, um, and I, some of these guys when it comes to recruiting with NIL is schools are offering you all this money up front. When you get to school, they're not they're, the kids are getting played. They're not getting everything that they're being promised. And you saw that with Texas A&M with their class two years ago. Yeah, that was like know, the best bunch. class of all time. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they basically paid for that entire class, and you had guys come out and say, like, yeah, we kind of learned right away. We weren't getting anything that we were promised. Yeah. Like, and then they end up in the portal, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think for my two cents on the Buckeyes, like, um, <laughs> I think you're right. Them them going just all in on one or two players on the defensive front is not good because what has happened to you the past three years, week 12 or week 13? Exactly. It's like you need – so, like, going and getting the number one recruit and the number one wide receiver in the nation is awesome, and getting all these top wide receivers is cool. But your kryptonite is still not having good defensive interior. And not just that, you know, there's a chance that you Ohio State can lose uh JT Tuamolau and Jack Sawyer and Mike. Like there's a good chance they're gonna lose like their top five, like their starters. And it's like who's your depth after that? Yeah. Like I it sounds like they're gonna keep Jack uh Sawyer and I feel pretty good about uh JT returning. Mm-hmm. But if, if if those guys were both leave, they would only have really two true like defensive ends on the roster. Now yeah. they can still add someone in the transfer portal, but there's really not there's really no big difference maker. A guy you like your best bet is bringing back you know so- Jack Sawyer and JT. But yeah, and who's the who's the wideout who flipped to Oregon? Jeremiah McClellan. Okay. Now it, um, uh, it. He's from St. Louis, Missouri, and Oregon were both after him the whole time. I actually thought Ohio State was going to be able to hang on to him until today. He's the first receiver who Heartline has ever uh, lost um, for like as a, who, who's flipped before signing day. Yeah, which it sucks, but you know when you yeah. com- when you commit to Oregon, this is going to sound like sour grapes, but it's true. You're committing there because of all the uniforms and Nike, not necessarily mm-hmm. the win games. Yeah, but now they're in the Big Ten, so it makes a little bit right. of a difference. And um, apparently, uh, according to Jeremy Birmingham, he had talked to uh, Jamison Williams, his family or something, and they didn't speak too highly of Ohio State, which is a reason why uh, mm-hmm. he left mm-hmm. or he flipped. Yeah. I guess Jameson's still salty about how things went down at Ohio State. Yeah, it worked out for him, though. Yeah. Yeah. He couldn't get over being number four in Ohio State's room behind Yeah. Lave, Garrett Wilson, and Jackson Smith and Jedwin. Yeah. And then you also had Marvin Harrison there too, who's like yeah. generational. But um, no, as far as um as far as the Notre Dame stuff goes, they signed so like uh we talked about their biggest recruit that they have is, is Carr. Carr's already practicing with the team. Like I don't know how that's possible, but like he's when did he pra- enroll? I don't know, but he's practicing with the bowl team right now. Like I've seen clips of him throwing balls at practice like fully in pads and everything um uh but all i think it was 23 22 of notre dame's verbal commits all signed today um which is really really big including Um, kingston the one linebacker who yes ohio state was trying to flip yeah um so i don't know i've said this before and this is not to get on a notre dame rant but it might be a little bit I have no worries about Marcus Freeman getting guys. Like he's going to go out and get dudes. Um, yeah. He's got to. And, and Notre Dame's uh, offensive coordinator, um, who was their tight ends coach two years ago with uh, Tommy Reese. Um, he uh, hold on, let me find it. Let me pull up his actual name. Uh, uh, Jared Parker. Or Gerard Parker. Gerard Parker, my bad. Uh, he was the tight ends coach two that years ago. That name sounds familiar, yeah. He was a tight ends coach uh, two years ago at, at Notre Dame. Um, and uh, who 
Notre Dame really wanted last year was the offensive coordinator at Utah to come in and be and, and be the new OC after Tommy left um, to go to Alabama. They weren't going to give him as much money. Like, the AD and the president were um, refusing to give as much money as, as what he was asking and what Freeman wanted to give. Um, and so he left, so they just promoted the tight end coach. If you're a Notre Dame football, okay, or Notre Dame University, mm-hmm. and you think that what you can do is bring more notoriety to the school than you already have in winning high-level football games, you need to pay a good offensive coordinator. Because right. Marcus Freeman is not an X is X's and O's guy. He is a go-get guys to come to the school dude. Now, I have no problem with Al Golden. I think Al Golden being the defensive coordinator is such a great fit, and he does a really, really good job. And I think next year we might have one of the nastiest. If, if Xavier Watts comes back, we're going to have one of the nastiest defenses in the nation. But you've got to have a dynamic play caller and a dynamic play designer that is running that offensive side of the ball, especially with Riley Leonard coming in. Do you think he's going to be an upgrade over Sam Hartman, or is it kind of the same? I think he's an upgrade because he's he's dual threat. Hartman's not really dual threat. Hartman's more of a pocket-passing guy where Riley Leonard can use his legs. Now, I don't think there's going to be a ton of, like, designed runs, but there's still that, like, you felt a lot with Hartman where he got caught in the pocket and made poor choices because he was just throwing it, trying to make something happen. Um, where Leonard, but he, he's gonna have better athletes around him at Notre Dame, but he did. Y- yes, Leonard can extend more plays, um, and 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 make more things happen. You would think. Uh, did my my this last part to my question? Yeah. Did Hartman live up to expectations for you, or is he a little underwhelming, or was he just about right? Because you still I, lost three games with him. For me personally, it was it was underwhelming in the sense that, um. You bring in a guy like Hartman to beat Ohio State, right. and that last I, – I will never forget that last offensive series um, that we had the ball and could have just put the game away and didn't. The, like, the, the screen pass. You the know, screen pass. Screen JT pass goes for a first down. Play. Yes. Yes. You just throw the throw the screen pass. Actually, and, it, it might not have just been he, – he might still be running if we're being honest. Yes. It was wide-ass open. And so yes. it's like – you bring in Hartman. So I'm going to say underwhelming in the sense of like, I'm, I was not shocked they lost to Louisville in that game because they just came off like two just gauntlet games, night games between Ohio State and then Duke. Um, and then had to go to Louisville. Uh, yeah, that sucked. Now he did beat the breaks or they, they, as a team beat the breaks off of USC, uh, which was yes. big. Um, and the Clemson loss was like, I think people forgot Clemson is still Clemson um, for a large majority of the year. Like, they're not what they were when they had, get this, one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time, but they're still Clemson. Um, and so I, I'm i going to say underwhelmed because you hope to at least be 11-1, and one, and if the one loss is to Louisville in a weird, like, you just beat the Buckeyes and then you just beat, Duke, and now you have to play another game on the road against Louisville. Um, I would take that, but losing three of those, and there were just games that he just didn't look great. Right. You know, you know. But I, I also do think that there's like a lot of, um, 
there's a lot of offensive scheme stuff with that too that just wasn't always the best with Notre Dame. Like that's why I'm saying like Freeman's got to go out and get the best offensive mind possible. Like you're Notre Dame. You are the University of Notre Dame. Bring in the best offensive mind you possibly can. Right. You should be like, it's pretty embarrassing how you weren't able to beat out Utah for a guy. Like you're the University of Notre Dame. You should be able to get whoever you want. You are the University of Notre Dame. Like we keep, I, I, we keep saying it, right? Mm-hmm. You're the University of Notre Dame. Go get a great offensive coordinator and let Freeman. I mean, because Freeman's got his other stuff he's got to worry about. Obviously, the, the big joke is the 11 guys on the field, right? Yeah. Or or whatever it is. He's got his own things he's got to worry about. And he is the master recruiter. Like, he's the motivator and the recruiter. It's a lot like I'm not comparing him excuse me, to Urban, but he's kind of in that Urban role where, like, Urban was not the big X's and O's guy at Ohio State. He was surround yourself with great football minds. Yes. He's going to sell Ohio State. He's going to sell the shit out of Ohio State to any young kid that wants to go there. He's going to make kids from all over the nation hate Michigan. Um, and he's going to set up a program that is just going to be a machine, right? And that's kind of the Freeman mold, where like Freeman is kind of getting towards that. But if he doesn't surround himself with, you know, like you saw with Urban, where he surrounded himself with Day and he surrounded himself with um, Herman and mm-hmm. these other guys that can run everything else. It's It doesn't matter. Yeah. Though by the end of his tenure, he had pretty much surrounded himself with yes men, which came back to bite. You know. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, I said I wasn't going to rant about Notre Dame, and then I just went on for, what, like five to ten minutes about Notre Dame. So, um, so anyway. Uh Ryan, anything else from National Signing Day? Um, uh, nothing, nothing, nothing I can think of. Yeah. I, I got off my chest the things I wanted to talk about. So understandable, understandable. But um, should be a good weekend when it comes to NFL football bowl games for sure. I want to go on one little rant too. Um, I'm putting this out on the airwaves and out on the internet for life. Uh, Old Dominion University is dead to me for life. I hate them. I will never like them. I I, I want them to be relegated to Division Three football. Get them out of Division One for forever and ever and ever. How are you up twenty eight to zero as a six and a half point favorite? I think six and a half points. I don't know for sure. I obviously don't know one hundred percent for sure that they were six and a half point favorites. But you you go out there as what I think is six and a half point favorites. You're up twenty eight, and you lose in overtime after having a chance to score at the one-yard line in regulation, and then you get a field goal blocked, and you get another field goal. It's relegation. There should be more relegation in college football. I agree. Anyway, that's my rant. You freaking... Old Dominion's dead to me. (laughs) They're a dead program. I never want to see them again. Anyway. I guess go Marshall, whatever. Or not Marshall. Yeah, how about that, that matchup of uh, Cole Pennington and Owen McCown last night? That was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. I thought UT uh, UTSA was dead in the water, and then they kind of turned it on late. But, um, but all right, Ryan, uh, anything else? Cavs, you told me not to bet them, and then since then they've been winning games. So They were, they were winning 
Um, last I checked, they're down one. Oh. Up, they're up thirteen right now with four minutes to go. There you go. See, so all's good. Um. All right, Ryan. Well, thank you so much. Uh, thank you all for listening. Remember to download, rate, review, subscribe, do all those things. It really does go a long way for the show. Um, last thing, this will be our, our last episode we put out before Christmas. So uh, Merry Christmas to all those out there that celebrate. Happy holidays to everybody uh, that celebrates and does all those things. Uh, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening, y'all.